Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion. This is Duke All American, joined by Whiskey Wednesday and Ruby Dreyer, special guest. Uh, we're talking a little bit about the scrimmage and what came out of it this past weekend. Ruby was there in person and has some some thoughts. Uh, Whiskey and I were just observing media from afar. And so, so we also have thoughts, but they're not quite as uh, informed as as hers. So uh, yeah, let, let's... Um, I think, that, you know, often or usually these past few weeks, we've kicked off by saying what we're drinking, but uh, it's 12 p.m. Central uh, on a Wednesday. And, you know, it'd be problematic if we if we talked about what we were drinking. I, I'm drinking a Diet Coke, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll skip that. And uh, yeah, let, let's let's jump straight in to how the scrimmage went. Uh, I think that the first question and what everyone hears about incessantly is quarterbacks. So let's not talk forever about that, but uh, Ruby, what is your thought on how the quarterback play went? Yeah. So heading into it, I kind of thought, you know, this is still Luke Altmyer's um, job to lose. And to some degree, I think it still is, but Jackson Dart, it was completely the Jackson Dart show. Um, He started taking the majority of the reps and just looked comfortable in it. And Kiffin looked like he was, you know, it was a Matt Corral kind of vibe, the way that him and Kiffin were joking around and how successful he was being. I mean, he was super, super accurate. And right now I think he made a huge jump. And I wouldn't, if if the, the game called out right now, I think it starts, it start to start. Oh, wow. Okay. Awesome. Ruby, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, So in the, Post scrimmage presser, Kiffin was not really effusive praising uh, Dart or Altmeyer, but singled out uh, Kincaid Dent. Do you think that's because he's kind of like withholding of praise in general, or do you think there was something that he wasn't pleased with specifically, uh, or did you see something that that maybe he wouldn't have been happy with? I take all of Kevin's pressers with a grain of salt because I feel like he has a unique ability to um, just want to make stuff up just to see what sticks. And he doesn't ever like to give actual information that will matter to any of the media that we can actually use. And I know he talked, he was praising Kincaid Dent a lot, which I mean, you know, no offense to the 5% of Red Cup who, who voted that Dent would get the start, but there's just no chance this really is between Dart and Altmaier. I mean, yeah, Dent's going to do great against the threes. And I think um, Nick Suss's stats, he went seven for seven, which is great, but you are taking reps with the threes. And I know that Kippen also talked about how he hadn't seen, um, hadn't seen the film yet and he wanted to wait on that. But he's very careful to not overpraise another quarterback versus the other one. And from the very beginning, he doesn't like to say where the strengths and weaknesses are. So I think that that's him saying, like, just shutting down the conversation. I'm still not going to talk about it. We still don't know. And I'm not ready to make a decision. And that's kind of where he leaves it. So I actually talked with uh, a few other people who watched the scrimmage as well, who said that, you know, one thing, and I, I, I definitely think that <clears throat> what you're saying is right about the way that Kiffin uses media. Um, but one thing that uh, Dart and Altmeyer didn't do well is that they held on to the ball too long. Uh, and so, you know, when the defense couldn't really tackle them, 
there were some plays that extended that probably wouldn't have normally, or a number of plays that probably wouldn't have extended and would have resulted in, resulted in sacks or, you know, more pressure leading to picks, that sort of stuff. Did you see that as well? For sure. And that was one of the things that was kind of weird, just watching it and not really understanding what was going on yet until later when it, when I did hear that and I'm like, Oh, that, that makes sense is Jackson especially would get, you know, kind of on a roll. He's making the, getting downfield and all of a sudden Kiffin would just pull him and he would kind of throw up his hands. Like, what are, what are you doing? Like I just threw a 35 yard pass or whatever it is. Like I'm doing great. And it was because he was holding on the ball too long. And I think Kiffin also mentioned that in the presser about how, um, you know, that they were getting a lot of sacks off. Obviously they're not tackling quarterbacks, but that it was, that was very problematic for them on, on offense that they, that he, they weren't releasing the ball, either of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Matt Corral spoiled us with his quick release uh, and, of course, like familiarity with the offense and that sort of stuff. But when I actually watched Jackson Dart's tape from his time at USC, um, it's a stark difference in the amount of time it takes him to release the ball relative to Corral. Now, it's not that stark of a difference between him and Altmaier. So, you know, he, he Dart is not... Uh, competing against Matt Corral right now. Uh, but yeah, it, it's certainly something that um, Ole Miss fans will have to get used to is the ball not like immediately shooting out of their hands, regardless of who wins that job. For sure. I mean, when just watching the scrimmage, Kiffin always talked about it last season. He's like, Ole Miss fans, you know, enjoy Matt Corral while you have him because this isn't going to, you're not going to see this again. This is a generational talent. And as I'm watching the scrimmage, I mean, they're both great quarterbacks, but it is like shocking how how much better Matt was and is. And I'm sure that's, you know, with leadership and age and they'll get better in time or whatever. But man, like watching them, it's like this is this is not the same, <laughs> the same quarterback <laughs> at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think that another interesting part about it is like uh Dart as a transfer into Ole Miss, I think that uh, most fans are kind of used to seeing if a quarterback transfers in they're transferring in having been like experienced uh, at least at the junior college level, but you know, if not, if not higher um, and Dart only had, you know, one season and it was really just a semester of, of football at, at the D one level before coming in. So it's not like he's a seasoned veteran, you know, transferring in for a year or something. Yeah, that part is in both with Altmaier too. I mean, Altmaier had one one game that was a real competition against Baylor in the Sugar Bowl. But when you kind of step back and look at it, other than like these are nineteen year old kids, and all of a sudden they're like in a few short weeks they're going to be up against you know Alabama. They're going to have to deal with Will Anderson in on in November, and it's just it is kind of crazy. Of we are we are choosing between two quarterbacks who have no real SEC experience, which is kind of insane when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So b before we talk about like the other strengths and weaknesses, uh, I know that Kiffin doesn't really talk about injuries at all. And seemingly the media kind of agrees to not, <laughs> not talk about those <laughs> injuries, which is interesting. Um, and I guess it's, you know, for access, that sort of stuff, but we can, cause we don't have access anyway. Um, I so I so I know that Jalen Robinson didn't play, uh, and I know that if AJ Finley played, it was like one series. Um, I read that Otis Reese didn't play much. I think he had like a big hit early, and then went 
went out. Um, and then I know Nick Broker only played for a little while, but did you notice anybody else like in or out or anybody who was kind of alarmingly not there? Um, not really. The Otis Reese one, I was sitting on the defensive side and very early on in the scrimmage, he kind of came off and was working with the trainers and it looked like he was stretching out his hamstring a lot. Um, so I'm not really sure what's going on there. I think Kiffin would have mentioned it probably. I mean, I don't know if it was a bigger issue. I think he's probably just tight. I mean, it was so hot. So that might've been, you know, a little part of it and he's just fatigued or just doesn't want to play in the scrimmage, whatever it is. But other than those four, not really Nick Broker on the sideline. He was, he seemed fine. And I know Kevin mentioned that they were kind of treating it as like a pro NFL, you know, preseason game where they're not really going to play the starters that much. Um, and I did see a lot of people, you know, a lot of freshmen getting reps, but yeah, not, not anyone else, but that list. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that I'm, I guess a little surprised that we haven't had more players that are actually like out and missing time. Yeah. It feels like this time last year, there was way more that we were dealing with way more injuries. I mean, they were, the wide receivers looked pretty healthy. Mingo took a lot of reps, which is always good to see. He was in a a black Jersey or white Jersey. I think it was. So they weren't supposed to tackle him, but you know, he looked good. Um, But yeah, no major injuries. I heard that Jonathan Hess, I think Kiffin said that he's out for the season. He broke his ankle or did something weird to his leg again. I'm not sure, but I know he's out for sure, but that's the only major injury that they're dealing with right now. Okay. Cool. Um, So do we want to move on to maybe how some of the position groups are looking, like whether they're going to be strengths or weaknesses? Yeah. Cool. Um, So yeah, we have kind of an outline scheduled out. So, um, so far it seems like the consistent thing we're hearing is that the defensive line is going to be uh, one of the major strengths of the team. Uh, both in terms of high level play at the top and then a lot of depth, which is, you know, pretty, pretty unique for Ole Miss and a a great situation to be in. So Taiwan Malone um, apparently had a really good scrimmage. Uh, JJ Piggies continues to apparently stand out in pretty much everything. He had, you know, a couple of sacks, Um, but yeah, just a lot of guys. Um, So what do we have any, have any thoughts on that group? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty bullish on the defensive line uh, in general. I think that, you know, Sam Williams being gone is really unfortunate, but <clears throat> I, I see some opportunity there. Um, Ruby, I, I had also heard that the defensive line kind of dominated the offensive line uh, in this scrimmage, despite the fact that the offensive line, in theory, should be, you know, relatively okay to good. <laughs> Uh, because they're all kind of back. Would you concur that uh, they the defensive line dominated? Yeah, that's kind of a one of the problems of the scrimmage is just watching it. You know, you're so excited about this huge offensive line, a lot of depth, a lot of veterans, and then you're watching them just kind of get ran through by the by the twos on of, of the defensive line. So that was kind of. I mean, it's it's so hard because it's like that's awesome. Like that's so great that we have a strong defensive line, but also we have these young quarterbacks and they're going to be going up against another great defensive line. So that's, 
yeah, that's going to be a problem. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm high on the defensive line too. Um, but now I'm, I'm less high <laughs> on the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were also dominated by Baylor's defensive line, uh, which, which is a good defensive line. Like I, I'm not at all trying to say that Baylor's defensive line's bad, but, um, you know, I think that it can be a little easy to be like, oh, well, they're all, or not all coming back, but, uh, you know, they're, they're coming back. And, uh, you know, we have these very solid, definite starters at, you know, each position, but that doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a great offensive line. Yeah. yeah. And Nick Broker was out too. So that part, you know, he is arguably the best offensive lineman we have. So mm. that helps a little bit more. Yeah. Also on the offensive line, if we just want to transition into that, uh, a couple other notes that we have heard from the scrimmage. Uh, Mason Brooks, the Western Kentucky transfer, who's been starting at right tackle, uh, went out with some kind of injury, not super major, but instead of pulling in another right tackle, they shifted Jeremy James to left tackle and installed Jaden, or they shifted Jeremy James to right tackle and then installed Jaden Williams at left tackle. And word is that he is, uh, Williams is kind of making a push to disrupt that starting five, whether that's taking over left tackle or what, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, I don't know if that speaks to them not being satisfied with the first group or if Williams is just really, really crushing it. But it's interesting to have sort of a position battle where we didn't really think there was one. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Ruby, was there a particular defensive lineman who stuck out to you before we move on to the other strengths? Um, probably Cedric Johnson. I mean, he's – I think that that's the guy this year. And when you're talking about the loss of Sam Williams, that's – it's hard. It's going to be hard to replace him for sure. But if there is anyone to do it, it's going to be Cedric Johnson. I mean, he came in second in sacks last year, I'm pretty sure. And he yeah, was he young. Did. He's just a junior this year. So I think he's probably the guy. I mean – JJ Piggy also had two sacks in the scrimmage, so that's huge too to have someone else come in. I I loved watching him at tight end um, when he destroyed us in 2020. He was playing <laughs> for Auburn, so I would like to see him implemented there a little bit. But if not, then getting a couple sacks for us on the season will be huge. Yeah. Cool. Um, so another strength we think of the team is going to be the running back room. Um, Zach Evans. It seems like one of the main themes has been that he hasn't done much in scrimmages and in the spring game and stuff. Um, so my take on that is there's kind of an impression that he doesn't have much to prove in these situations. Um, but I don't know, is, is that a concern that we haven't seen like Zach Evans rip off like a huge touchdown run in scrimmage or, or whatever? Um, so I had heard that in the spring that Kiffin won't let Zach Evans do anything really just because he's so afraid of him getting hurt and just wanting him to be at 100% for the games. And so I think that it, it's a big problem that we haven't seen anything yet. But at the same time, I also think that that's on purpose, that they they want to hold him. They want to make sure that he's okay. And he does. they know how good he is. And so it's not really an issue. But at this point in the season and you know in fall camp, now I am starting to get worried of, okay, well, how long? Like, how long are they going to 
wait and see if he's going to be good, if, if he's going to fit in this offense or whatever it is. So I think he had four carries for seven yards in the yeah. in the scrimmage on Saturday. Like that's, I mean, that's not the Zach Evans that's, that we were all hoping for at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it just depends on like, did he have four, four carries for seven yards because it was an open scrimmage that anybody could come to? Or did he have four carries for seven yards because they're just still not willing to like let him go? Um, in which case, like, you know, during the week is he getting a you know significant load and really showing and i guess like there are some rumblings and i can't remember there was some somebody i think from 24 7 sports it was like one of their national guys not uh not um david johnson or anybody like that uh was talking about how he had spoken with some scouts who were at an Ole Miss practice who said that like zach uh zach evans is tearing it up and crazy good so you know if that's the case if it's just that in the open practice, he didn't get opportunities and that sort of stuff. That's fine. Uh, I hope it's not just like, well, we have too many carries to go around and, you know, can't really ultimately see Zach Evans doing much because like, man, his, his film from TCU and his production at TCU were just insane. Yeah, that's a really good point. The other um, thing that I noticed too at the scrimmage is when I first got there and they first started going, I had kind of mixed up the numbers of Zach Evans and because they're four and six with Quinshaw Judkins. And I know that this is a really, really hot take. I think Quinshaw Judkins might be the best running back in that room. I mean, it's really, really raw talent. But when he was going, he kind of went first before Zach. Um, and I that's probably just because they wanted to see him first. I don't think that he's going to start over Zach Evans or anything. But he was unbelievable. I mean, just running through guys. And I I love him. I'm super, super high on Quinchon Junkins right now. I think he might be the best running back, you know, in Ole Miss history, which I know this is this is a crazy take, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is hot. <laughs> I mean, you're not the first person to tell me that he at at the moment he looks like the best running back on the team now, um, which is crazy. I mean, that is crazy uh, because he's a true freshman from Alabama who didn't have an offer from Alabama or Auburn. Did he, I think he had like a late Auburn offer, maybe? Um, maybe. But, you know, he was not this, like, super highly regarded running back. Um, but, yeah, I've heard from other people as well that, like, he just looks like he's amazing, um, which is cool. He just makes everything look so easy. And that's kind of the weirdest part is that he just – I mean, I heard that he was squatting 500 pounds for, like, five reps or something like that. And just – he was like, oh, yeah, like, this is this is easy as a true freshman squatting 500 oh. pounds <laughs> your first wow. spring. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So the other thing we have here is the secondary. Um, the secondary has been a strength kind of all year, it's the spring, seemingly the fall. Um, but the quarterbacks did complete a whole bunch of passes where, I mean, I, the yardage totals weren't that great. Was Were they just kind of keeping things in front of them? Or is it because A.J. Finley and Otis Reese didn't play much? Or kind of, what do you think, Ruby? Yeah, I think that they, Kiffin, you know, is totally in charge and he wants to see the offense succeed. And so there were a few times where they forced, you know, all of the secondary to drop back 
like super, super far to allow the wide receivers to try to get and, you know, push them up. Um, so I think that that was intentional that they were getting big yardage plays to try and get them comfortable, especially with the tackling or whatever it was. Um, but Luke Altmeyer had an interception and he had a second one, um, but it didn't get counted because I think it was on Mingo because um, Mingo shoved Aishin Young out of bounds or whatever it was. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think they're also, there's not really a set secondary yet. Um, and I don't know when they will figure out those position groups because there's a few, I mean, kind of like the core four who are for sure going to start, but those other two, they don't really know um, what's going to happen yet. So I think they're still trying to get acclimated. I know they're dealing with injuries in the secondary right now and just, I don't know, it's kind of a hot mess, <laughs> but <laughs> it, they, they're just too many talented guys for it not to be good this year, I think. So it will, it'll be fine, but just didn't look great. So I have another question. This is difficult because I don't know. It's it's hard for me to pick out watching the defense, but like I'm wondering who's going to play that position that Jake Springer played last year. Uh, do you have any idea like who's been rotating at that position? Um, they're moving around the field a ton just because I think they want um, everyone to know different plays, you know, different places to play or whatever. For me, I think it's going to be Aishin Young will probably play that role, um, just kind of that like linebacker safety hybrid. Um, if not him, then probably Taishim Johnson, I would say, would play those, will play that position, either one of those two or both. Yeah, that, that was kind of what we were thinking too. Like we've we've said on previous a previous podcast that like it, it's really hard to say who the starter or even like primary backup is at a set safety position in this defense because it seems like they really are somewhat interchangeable like people are moving around a whole lot um but Aishim Young is a headhunter and so having him closer to the line of scrimmage definitely makes sense yeah and he has that same kind of mentality of um Springer from last year of just throw your body around and it works you know just no regard for your own for you're very injury prone but it works and I think that that's kind of his role this year I think that's what he was brought in for um and then it just kind of stuck that that's where he was going to play have you noticed uh Ladarius Tennyson at all um, not really. I actually don't even remember if he played in the scrimmage now that you said his name. I didn't remember see, seeing him or him doing anything, you know, that great. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know that he's gotten a pretty high praise from a lot of the secondary. I actually don't think he'll probably start though. Um, and just be a great backup, be a two for him, but I don't, I don't know if he'll start. Yeah. I remember him playing a ton in the Grove Bowl and made some plays, but also got really sucked in on a rushing touchdown, I think, uh, when he should have probably <laughs> kind of remained on the outside a little bit. But um, that's the only like negative thing I remember about him. But yeah, I, I didn't know if that was because Aishim Young was out or if he is projected to be up there, you know, with the starters or what. Yeah, I think he does um, back up Aishim. Now that, yeah. yeah, that, that sounds right. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, uh, so for weaknesses, we already talked a little bit about the offensive line. Uh, 
But did you have any like other things to add about the offensive line? So this was the most concerning part probably of the entire scrimmage is it didn't matter who was in offensive line at center. Um, they could not get a good snap off. They were either really, really high or really low. And it just seemed like they were consistently bad, which, I mean, I've never played offensive line, so it, I, it feels wrong talking about this, but it just doesn't <laughs> seem like it's that hard to mess up, you know? Um, so that was that was alarming just because it's like when you have young quarterbacks, you just can't give any extra reason for them to mess up. And it seemed like they were doing that a lot. Yeah, a bad snap can just ruin everything, too. I mean, you know, we talk about how, like, uh, you know, Kiffin likes to go for it on fourth down and all that kind of stuff. Everybody jokes that we may not kick field goals this year or whatever. But, um, you know, he's definitely not going to go for it if it's fourth and 17. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And coming off of last year, there were so many penalties from the offensive line. And then as the year went on, it seemed like they started to get cleaned up. And now that maybe no penalties, just a plethora of really, really bad snaps is going to be their yeah. demise this year. <laughs> ugh, ugh. Um, okay, so everybody wants to know about linebackers. Um, and from what I've heard, uh, Austin Keys played relatively well. Um, and I, I actually like Austin Keyes' game. I remember him before he got hurt uh, last season. Um, but maybe he was the only player who seemingly played well a linebacker uh, and that there's a, still a ton to be desired at that position. Like it's maybe backup quality players uh, at the moment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just based off of that one scrimmage, he was the only one that really stood out to me. And it was great to see. He, I was actually looking for him. Um, because of coming off of a year feels like and two surgeries on his knee and finally getting healthy. He looked perfectly fine. He looked like he was at a hundred percent. So that was great to see heading into, you know, the first couple games of just getting him back acclimated. Um, but for sure, I think he's going to be probably the, the best linebacker this year, which I originally thought it was going to be Troy Brown, but based off, you know, it's only off of one scrimmage. So it's hard to for sure say, um, mm -hmm. but I really, really like Austin Keys right now. Okay, that's good. I've read somewhere that the the freshman linebacker, oh geez, let me get his name pulled up real quick. Tyler Banks. Banks. Yeah, I've read somewhere that he played pretty well or at least collected a, a good number of tackles. Did he did you notice him at all? No, I didn't. Was he taking reps with the threes? I think the twos actually. Oh wow. Yeah, I didn't know I didn't see him. I don't even know if I mean, we have I, enough linebackers to take reps with the threes. <laughs> well, we do because only only two play at a time. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think he was with the twos and threes at different points. Um, okay, so the last weakness we have listed is wide receiver, uh, and you know you've mentioned Jonathan Mingo. We mentioned that Jalen Robinson didn't play, and I've heard that the staff is super high on Jalen Robinson. Um, but you know we have no way of knowing that whether that whether that's legit or not at this point. Um, from what I've heard, I mean, I guess the wide receiver play must have been okay-ish in order to have the completions and that sort of stuff that we saw. But maybe it was a lot of like underneath stuff. Um, and I consistently hear that we're having trouble seeing separation from receivers. 
Did you see that in the scrimmage as well? Yeah, it wasn't anything noteworthy from any of the wide receivers. Um, I mean, they looked they looked healthy, which is probably the best thing uh, for right now. But yeah, there wasn't anything too crazy. And I do wonder because, you know, after the, watching the press conference about Kiffin, this open practice was not his idea. And you can kind of tell that he was, you know, not happy that he had to do this for the fans. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's being very careful about what plays he's running um, with the wide receivers. And so I think that's kind of what he was doing and also not using Jalen Robinson. I don't know if it was an injury or just because he didn't want, he doesn't want anyone to see him yet using their plays, but the wide receiver room, I'm feeling better about it. Um, as time passes, it doesn't freak me out as much. I do think Jalen Robinson is the main guy. Um, but besides him, I don't know how much separations that there's going to be. I think there's going to be a lot of guys playing um, and it's not just going to be, you know, just the starting, starting three or whatever. Yeah, I think that might be a welcome development compared to last year when we really just got honed in on three guys at a time pretty much. And then when Sanders got hurt, when Mingo got hurt, I was like, what do you do? You, you know, <laughs> um, struggle was, was the answer. Uh, did you notice, let's see, I'm trying to think of some specific guys. So Malik Heath has been talked about as being maybe kind of penciled in as a starter right now, but there's also Braylon Brown, JJ Henry, um, a couple other guys out there. Um, who do you think is that maybe the the second group or, or, you know, who who's in that top rotation, I guess. Yeah. So I think they're really loving Malik Keith right now, which is not something that I, you know, if you would have told me that six months ago, I probably wouldn't have believed you, but um, I know they, that JJ Henry is, a very possible option that he's been doing great in camp. I have heard nothing about Braylon Brown. Um, and after last year, it's like, okay, well, he's a freshman. We're probably not going to see him that much, but coming into year two and a, I don't want to say super thin wide receiver room, but it's, you know, there's not a ton of depth there. Um, that that's kind of weird because the coaches loved him, you know, heading out of high school. So I'm, I am curious to see how much the freshmen get used or sophomores now, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, that's been a, a weird concern of mine too. Like what what happened to the recruiting hype with him and the I think he was like doing really well as a freshman in preseason camp and stuff too, right? And then got kind of nicked up and then just like fell off the face of the planet. Yeah, I remember hearing uh from his first few practices last year that he was making like circus catches and was dynamic and you know, already probably the third or fourth best receiver on the team. And then suddenly it's like he got hurt and I guess maybe he hasn't come back from the injury fully yet. I don't know. I actually wanted to just say that when you were talking about last year's three, three wide receivers, I think it's funny that at some point uh, the coaches decided that a Dontario Drummond jogging was, was like the best option uh, that, that we could put on the field. Cause do you remember there were some times that Don Harry Drummond was running with the ball and you were just like, dude, run. <laughs> yeah. Somehow he still got open all the time. He I don't did. Really and he'd but... pick and he'd, he'd get like tons of yards after catch, just jogging. Yeah. He was definitely a weird case. Uh, his, his whole 2021 season. Uh, Cause I didn't think he was that good before the season. And then 
he, I don't know, he didn't run a fast time in the combine. He's probably not going to stick on an NFL roster anywhere, but he just carved it up. Like, and it wasn't all corral. A lot of that is corral, just putting him in good situations. But he, yeah, he was like running past people. I don't know. It's like he made other people run slower. Yeah, he also runs a really good slant route. I mean, he made his money on that route. Yeah, totally. Um, so maybe while we're on receivers, do we want to hit on on tight ends at all? Uh, I ask because um, it seems like maybe. Um, Sorry, I got to switch over to the roster real quick. Seems like Casey Kelly is maybe cemented himself as like the main starter at tight end. I don't know if that's a thing to motivate Michael Trigg or if Trigg is just going to like be in there on on passing downs or or what. But uh, it's kind of interesting to see him continue to to get a lot of reps with the ones when I think a lot of people assume that it was going to be Trigg, Trigg, Trigg all day. Um Ruby, do you have any, any kind of insight on on what Trig looks like in you know these practices? Yeah, after the Grove Bowl, I mean, I think that everyone thought like this is going to be, you know, Michael Trigg is going to be the guy. And I don't Guilty. know, I've, I've heard it's kind of like he won't buy in to the team and he's having a, a little bit of an adjustment issue. Like he's one of the transfers that they're having a hard time trying to, you know, get acclimated to the team or with the culture or whatever it is. But yeah, it, I think Casey Kelly is going to start, which is fine. I mean, he's solid. He's very dependable. But um, I don't know if it's because Trigg isn't really used to blocking, which is kind of, you know, when you have such a run-heavy defense, you're going to need a, your tight end to block. And Casey Kelly is very good at that. And I wonder if, you know, if that bothers Trigg that he's not going to be getting as many receptions or whatever it is. I can't figure it out. Um, but the good part of that is we finally have a tight end room you know, more than just one walk on tight end or whatever it is. So that's the only positive um, that I'm, that I'm taking from this right now, because it is good to see that we're going to have a, a solid tight end room that can actually, you know, produce for us again. Yeah. I mean, you know, Casey Kelly is not bad. So there's, there's that initially. Um, but I, I've actually think, I thought it's interesting. Um, apparently Trigg has been struggling a bit with the heat but I don't really understand. Like he's from Tampa, Florida. Doesn't it doesn't make much sense to me? Yeah, I don't know if it could be just a conditioning thing. Like if he didn't really stay on the ball throughout the whole like portal process or something. Uh, that could certainly be the case, but won't be this hot forever. I guess is the good news. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um. Yeah. Then Kyron Heath, the freshman was apparently kind of uh, an unexpectedly good player uh, and showed up in the scrimmage, but apparently has been, you know, continually showing up in practices as well. So that's interesting to see. Yeah. Ruby, could you tell if he was with the threes and just like dominating the threes or if he was in there with everybody? I think he took some reps with the twos as well, um, but that was not something that I was kind of expecting to see at all. Um, from him, I, I was looking for Trigg and Casey Kelly, but I wasn't really looking for, you know, the two star tight end freshman. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was great to see again, just more depth of people who can play is, you know, great. And I doubt he'll get a ton of reps this year, but maybe we'll see him a little bit against central Arkansas or whatever it is. And if we have another injury, then he'll be able to step in. So, I, so I'm looking at his recruiting profile right now. Uh, Kyron Heath from 
Mansfield, Texas. And he was the... Let's see, okay, yes, just a tight end. 6'4", 230. His other listed offers, other than Ole Miss, are Arkansas State, Colorado State, Liberty, Marshall, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas State. I did not skip any. There, there are no offers I didn't list, at least on, on here. Um, but I do remember he, he's one of these examples of players who like came to camp at Ole Miss, got an offer, and committed like way early. And we say this probably too frequently on the podcast and in writing, but I'm going to say it again. Those types of players, when they, when they shut it down and do not visit elsewhere and all that sort of stuff, you cannot pay attention to what their star ratings are. We see it over and over again. Like a guy comes, works out, proves it, shows the coaches, the coaches offer him, he commits and he's done and, you know, doesn't go to camps and all that sort of stuff. There's no possible way that that person's rating will skyrocket. Yeah. It seems like the whole like recruiting game is something that, the players are expected to like, they're expected to play that game, you know, and some of them don't and probably suffer for that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I remember Evan Ingram, uh, you know, everybody talks about who he's a three-star. Well, he's, he's the same example. Like Evan Ingram came to a camp, showed out, got an offer immediately and accepted it. And everybody covering Ole Miss and everybody who, you know, was an Ole Miss fan and watched his highlight film was like, wait, I don't understand. Like, why is this guy this like middle of the range three star? Obviously, he is, you know, supremely talented. And uh, yeah, his rating never really changed. And then suddenly he was, you know, just a baller on campus. And I'm not saying Kyron Heath is, is Evan Ingram. Juco on record saying. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. So the other topic we wanted to cover before we sign off is uh, just just coaches in general. And I know like this is maybe not as related to the scrimmage, um, but Chris Partridge is of course a different coordinator than DJ Durkin was, uh, and the early word has been that at least in practice. And I know that like in practice they have different objectives and all that kind of stuff, but He's blitzing a lot. And he talked about this in a press conference, uh, which you can watch on YouTube on the Almost Rebels channel. Uh, anyway, he talked about how he, you know, likes to blitz and likes to be aggressive. Uh, and of course, you know, that jives with this idea that um, the offense didn't have a lot of time and the quarterbacks were pressured and held on to it for too long. Uh, Ruby, did you notice, like, Sometimes uh, a defense will get pressure and, you know, it's, hey, that's good pressure. But sometimes it's just like the offense is having trouble operating. Did it did it ever get to that point or was it just sort of like a back and forth? So it seems like they they were trying that. And also they were also holding back too a little bit just to see, like give the quarterbacks an idea of what they're going to have to deal with, but also we're letting them kind of acclimate to, you know, people coming up and sacking you or whatever it was. And I, I do think that that's Partridge um, for sure, that that's what he's going to be doing. He's going to be blitzing a lot. And I actually love it because I think when you don't have someone like Sam Williams and you're only playing three down, you have to have more disruption up front. 
and kind of switch it up or whatever it is. And, and hopefully our linebackers will be able to be successful at that. I mean, I don't, I doubt that they'll be doing it if they're not, I mean, if, if Partridge doesn't see that they can do it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's something that we're going to be seeing a lot just based off of the scrimmage alone. I mean, I'd certainly rather see an aggressive defense than, than one that, uh, you know, is solely designed to not give up big plays. My my question of the offseason and heading into, you know, the first couple games is, is the new offensive coordinator, Charlie Weiss Jr., is he a warm body for Kiffin to do whatever he wants and to completely run this, you know, as, as his own offensive coordinator? Or is he bringing something new? And I think that that was one of the the huge discussions about Jeff Lebby is obviously Lebby is like an offensive genius and so good at what he does, but Kiffin is the same way. And so there was a little bit of a clash of whose offense are we running and who's calling plays and who gets to choose what we're doing. So that's where I'm kind of leaning that Kiffin brought, brought this guy in someone that he's already worked with to just let him do whatever he wants. You know, like this is Kiffin doing it. You can sit up in the box and call plays, but this is my offense and this is what we're going to do. So it is, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, how this offense is going to look, especially with a quarterback who isn't Matt Corral and you can't just, you know, design these crazy plays around what it, what it's going to look like. Yeah. I mean, it's also one of those frustrating questions that we'll never really know the answer to. I mean, I think that whenever you have an offensive coach who everyone knows is involved in play calling, you'll never get a straight answer to like, who is it that makes that 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 called this play or this play or this play, or like what is it about Charlie Weiss or what was it about Jeff Lebby that like what was the level of their input in into what was happening? Um, I I don't think we ever will will know fully the answer to that question, but I will say like my understanding is that in general, uh, you know Weiss is. Weiss's focus is more on the during the week lead up and, you know, in practices and, and during the week lead up to game day. And then more focus on game day is on Kiffin, like Kiffin's ability to actually sort of lead the offense. Now, I, I wouldn't say like, because I don't know the answer to this question, I wouldn't say that he that Kiffin is like a lone play caller. I, I think that Weiss is able to, you know, have plenty of input there. But I think that my understanding is that the offense is led more by Kiffin on game day than it is will be by Charlie Weiss Jr. Yeah. And that I agree with you the same thing. Um, the only other part of that is, you know, last year you hear stories about how Kiffin like has an idea on the sideline and pulls Matt and one of the receivers over and is like, okay, I'm, I just made up this play in my mind go out and do right. it. Like that's not going to work this year as much as we want it to. And as much as we hope, it will happen. I mean, there's, it just won't. And so you think, I mean, I just don't see the quarterbacks being ready this year for it. And I, I also don't know if like, we don't have an Elijah Moore um, yeah. at receiver to be able to do these, these crazy things. So I don't know. I mean, it's so much fun when they do stuff like that. And it's also just as nerve wracking. Um, yeah. But we'll see. I, mean, I, I think my favorite and probably everyone's favorite uh, thing to see in offensive play calling is when a huge play comes from and comes from something that they saw earlier. Like they did something in the first quarter and they saw that like every time they do X, 
the defensive player bites in this way, you know? And so then like in the fourth quarter on a big important down, then the receiver like fakes that way and then runs the other way. And then the defender is just like totally bitten and, you know, the, the receiver is wide open. I, I have always heard that that is where Kiffin really shines uh, is in noticing where defenses are uh, over committing and uh, making them, making them pay for that. But uh, yeah, so that will actually do it for our podcast. We actually are a little over time, uh, but we won't charge you any extra. So thanks for tuning in and uh, we will talk again next week as we inch closer and closer to the season.